Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans, and welcome to a very special edition of the Peristyle Podcast. This is episode number 51, and it is our signing day special. Letter of intent going out today. It's Christmas Day, pretty much, for college football recruiting fans. If you don't know what our little podcast is, we talk about USC football each and every week. You can get it on the internet at peristylepodcast.com, or you can always find us on uscfootball.com. And this week, like I said, all we're going to talk about is recruiting. It is signing day. We're going to give you all the latest updates of what's been going on. Some you get you some reaction from everyone on the staff of uscfootball.com. There's some big surprises out there, both good and bad. We'll talk about all of that. If you have any questions or comments, you can always drop us an email, podcast at uscfootball.com. In our first segment, as always, we are joined by the coach, someone that recruited a lot himself back in the day, Harvey Hyde. What's going on, sir? Well, I tell you what, it is an exciting day for uh, universities as well as young student athletes and parents who have followed their students, uh, athletes all the way through school, watch them grow up, and then sit nervously and uh, see exactly what might happen as far as the coaching staff. It, it was mentioned, I don't know how true it was, that Pete Carroll slept in the office last night at Heritage Hall, getting ready for uh, Wednesday morning's early faxes that come into the office indicating that a young man now from a verbal verbal has committed himself to the Trojans. And it's just, I remember when I used to recruit, uh, well, we'll get into that, what we used to do recruiting day and so on, but uh, it's a huge day for universities, coaches, student athletes, parents, high schools, uh, the whole package. It it really is, Brian. It is a really big event. And I think uh, like Brother or some of those fax companies should start selling uh, fax machines with pillows attached to them so these college coaches can just kind of snuggle up next to them waiting for those faxes to come in. They can start sending them in 7 a.m. local time for the prospects. So that meant as early as 4 a.m. for USC, they could have got some East Coast ones. Actually didn't start getting them in until closer to 7 a.m. local time. But before we get into that, I just want to thank our sponsor for the segment, Southern California Tickets. SCTickets.com is the website, or give them a call, one 800 888 7287. If you need tickets for anything all over the world, you can give them a call. Southern California Tickets, sctickets.com. And uh, Coach, just you know, kind of looking back, you know, when you were coaching here and you're following recruiting closely now, I know you're on our website a lot and you, you check out rivals.com, all the rankings and everything. What do you think is the biggest change that's happened over the years in recruiting? Well, I think uh, the biggest change has been uh, the involvement of the press and media and television and, and all of the uh, talk like we're doing right now, before there wasn't this much, uh, uh, people couldn't get out there and talk to the student-athletes or interview them or get videos on them and and uh, give their opinions and have the five-star and the four-star. There used to be uh, in the Long Beach uh, uh, press telegram, uh, uh, every recruiting, day after recruiting a a segment in their paper called the best of the West. And then they used to always have uh, all the recruits and rank the leagues and, and all the athletes and so on. And we thought that was a huge, huge uh, 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 opinion setter as far as who got the best recruiting classes. And they used to always rank the players and so on. And, and, and Steve German used to do that. I don't know if you know Steve or not. Gearman, and he used to do that uh, along with, uh, I can't remember who else they did that, but they used to put that out, and that was what everybody used to grab and watch. And USA Today started to do one uh, the next day following recruiting, but now the coverage before recruiting, the coverage on recruiting day, the discussions of people ranking the classes and talk about uh, who's decommitting or who signed and who gave their verbal and, and all of this and the shockers that are gone. It's on 24 hours, 24 hours on the website, 24 hours on the, the television. It is a huge, huge day. It's, I really believe it's bigger than the NFL draft now. I really believe it is because it involves more student-athletes, more universities, college football. I think 
the national letter of intent is bigger than the NFL draft as far as publicity. Yeah, I, I agree with you, Coach. It's huge. And uh want to get into some of the, the, the big surprises for today and kind of get your reaction, a coach's point of view, so to speak. Um, I guess maybe the biggest shocker of the day was Manti Teo, the five-star linebacker coming out of Hawaii, probably the biggest recruit ever to come out of Hawaii. Uh, shocked the world, and he, he picked Notre Dame. It was uh, pretty shocking to us. I mean, you know, everything we had heard is that he had told the coaches he was really going to come to USC. Boom, goes on national television and uh, and decides he's going to go to Notre Dame. I, what, what was your overall reaction from that? Well, you know, that's hard to figure out, especially if he had told the coaches that he was going to be a, a Trojan and then have a change at the end. You know, I've heard every type of story, uh, rumors like uh, that's why Hawaii went to the – or Notre Dame went to the Hawaii Bowl to court, uh, court him and this and that and all. I hardly believe that, but that's what the stories are now. But, uh, uh, you know, I don't know what would cause that quick change. Now, I've heard this, and, and I don't know how true this is. I understand he wanted to go to UNLV or USC. But his dad wanted him to go to Notre Dame. Now, you know, that happens a lot of times in, in families. You remember the Hazleton story a few years ago at SC. Uh, the young man wanted to come to SC, and his dad wanted him to go somewhere else. Well, that, that didn't work out. You know, I used to tell parents that deciding where your son goes to school and who he marries are the two biggest decisions in his life. And if you try to make that decision for him, and it doesn't work out, he'll blame you the rest of your life. <laughs> I used to tell him that. So when I used to run into those situations, I would tell the dad, I'd say, you can tell him and he'll listen to you, but it better work out. Otherwise, he's going to say, see, I told you I should have gone to USC. So, And that's the same thing with who he'll marry. You can't tell him who to marry because if it doesn't work out, he's going to blame you for that. So I've heard that his dad wanted him to go to Notre Dame. But, you know, uh, Notre Dame's a fine university, a great school and so on, but I don't see the relationship there. I don't, you know, hot, warm, beautiful weather from Hawaii to cold weather in the winter in, in South Bend. I, uh, I, I don't, the, the amount of travel, how many games or how far is that from home? Uh, unless his parents are planning on moving to South Bend, how many times can they see that kid play? You know, the majority of their games are all in the Midwest. I mean, they come to California when? To play SC. And in the past, they played UCLA in one series. So, you know, look how far they have to travel to watch their son play in person. Now, so, you know, uh, I I mean, I think, you know, the kid, if the kid wanted to go there, I think it's a great choice. If his dad made the kid go there, then I think there are going to be some question marks. If that kid finishes at Notre Dame because he's going to go on a mission after his first year. And after those two years, young people grow up. And after being there a year, he'll say, well, you know, I want to go back there. Or I don't want to go back there. My, my feeling is uh, after they've been there a year and they, they get homesick and everything else happens, he'll end up coming back to the West Coast. I'm not saying he's going to come to SC. He might go back to the University of Hawaii. Or he might go to BYU, other teams. But, uh, you know, it's a long shot that he'll stay at Notre Dame. I really feel that because there's, the cultures are different. Everything's different. He's a great kid. I don't want to wish him any bad luck. But it's a long – if his dad said that's why he should go there, then, you know, there's, that kid sits there in his dorm room homesick, and he starts to say, why am I here? Yeah, I agree with the coach, and uh, we'll, we'll have to see what happens there. And we, we don't want to do all bad news. We've got a lot of, there's a lot of good news for USC fans today, and uh, I was actually down at Narbonne High School where uh, Byron Moore, the four-star defensive back slash wide receiver, uh, was making his announcement. He was live on ESPNU, and I was down there, and uh, I think Fox Sports was down there as well, so we had a few different video cameras down there. We'll have some video going up on the site today, so you can check that out. Um, we did some video interviews and stuff with him. Really interesting story, Coach. And uh, you know, he he was a kid that committed early to UCLA. Uh, did not have an offer from USC. Got an offer from USC back in uh, I think the the you know early summer. I think it was June, something like that. He got an offer from USC. Committed, decommitted to UCLA. Committed to USC. Then a couple weeks ago, all of a sudden, boom! You know, Taylor Mays comes back. Looks like uh, Pinkard's going to come back. He decommits from USC, and at one point it looks like USC's even out of it, 
And then USC's back into it. Then they're in the favorite. And then this morning I was down there. He announced he was going to go to USC. He picked USC over Colorado and Notre Dame. So another USC-Notre Dame battle there. I mean, he's a really – I like the kid a lot. I've talked to him on a number of different occasions. Um, it was just interesting to follow his whole recruiting process because it was so up and down. It was such a roller coaster. I just want to kind of get your reaction on that, Coach. And I guess Georgia fans got to be happy he's coming back. He's a top 100 guy, you know, a Rivals 100 guy, and he's coming to USC now. Right. And, you know, sometimes you wonder why kids do that, but they do. Sometimes they commit – and then they decommit and they and they say, oh, well, I, I want to go to SC. My friends are going to SC or I thought I want to go to UCLA. And then what happens is they become very confused. Because you because you give a verbal commit, that doesn't mean universities stop recruiting you. So people start putting all of these doubts in your mind. And then he goes back and plays in that Armour uh, High School All-Star game. And he, he says, wow, McDonald's going there. And this kid's coming here. And he sees these kids play. And he says it. And, and Taylor Mays is coming back, and Pinker got another year, and, and all of a sudden you say, man, I want, I want to look around some more. I got, I'm, I'm not quite sure I want to go there. And he gets scared in a way. And, and, he, and you start to wonder if I'm going to play at USC with all these great players because he's had a chance to go to these all-star camps and be tested and play against these guys and cover them and watch his ability. Believe me, kids can't evaluate talent as good as coaches, they know how good they are. But then again, the, the good thing is that, that he came back and uh, SC never did pull their commitment to him, his their offer, and when it came down to it, he was what I look at as a competitor. He didn't run from it. He didn't hide. Uh, he knows what's at SC. He knows there's great players there, and he decided to uh, jump aboard the bus and head towards the Rose Bowl or head towards the Orange Bowl, or head towards one of those programs that he knows he'll be able to get to and compete and become a better football player. And I'm proud of him that he did sign up at USC. Yeah, there was it was a really fun event down there at the high school. They had a couple other prospects sign, one with Colorado, one with Washington. But you know, more being the top 100 guy was the the big name. And to see, it's if you've never been to a high school signing, it's kind of fun to just see in person and all the support that these kids get from their coaches and the, and the staff around there and stuff. It's, it's really fun. It's just kind of like a, a pure moment. And then as you know, coach, as soon as he gets to school, he goes from being a big fish announcing where he's going on national television to being at the bottom of the total pole and, and getting running around on the, on the practice field. No, that's it. Remember, you don't get anything for nothing. You know, there's always a price tag that goes along with it. I always used to say to our recruits, when we used to recruit against other universities, did you like your visit to whatever university he might have visited? He says, yes, I really loved my visit to Laramie. And I would say, well, I want you to know something, son. That is going to be the greatest weekend you will ever have in Laramie, Wyoming. And he would say, why? He, because I said, they planned it. They flew you in at night. They never took you anywhere during the day. And they flew you out at night. And and you've done nothing wrong. And if you could come to our university rather than that, not to be a negative recruiter, but if you can go somewhere else, do you want to live there? Are you planning on getting into Eskimo, Eskimo <laughs> uh, sled <laughs> building? Or whatever it might be, that might be a good spot for you. But, uh, you know, there's so many different ways that you get to kids today and there's so many different tactics you do i never wanted to be a negative recruiter never but there's reasons you know you should you have there's reasons why certain kids are recruited and why they're attracted to you and and you've got to find out what that is you really do and uh, sc's been able to do that pete curls did such a great job of of recruiting and keeping what i was proud of him and we're not true and i haven't seen the list yet okay uh, because we're doing the show before it's all done. But to be able to have coaches come in and recruit against you that were a part of your staff and try to lure them away and not having that happen and also being able to keep players after coaches have left that maybe those those players like, like Kennard and others, I think is, has been a great uh, 
thing for Coach Pete Carroll. I, I really do. I think it's great. And, Coach, I think one of the most impressive things to me has been his ability to recruit at great distances. And I, maybe the, there's a trio a trio of Trojans now that are coming in that have all picked USC, all from the geographic south, two kids out of Florida, one kid out of Georgia. I just want to kind of get your – I'll mention each one of them briefly, but get your kind of thoughts on these guys. I mean, none of these guys were – really favorites to go to USC. And you have Frankie Telfort, who's a kind of an undersized linebacker out of Miami, Florida, who might end up at a safety, but, you know, really, you know, uh, you know, powerful player. A lot of people really like his game. Um, Starling's out of uh, Tallahassee, Florida. He went to the same high school as TJ Bryant, Lincoln High School in Tallahassee. TJ Bryant was a shocker last year. Now Starling's a shocker this year. He's a safety coming to USC. So they have a really good defensive back class. And then uh, you have Jarvis Jones, who just recently announced he's out of Columbus, Georgia, you know, in the Atlanta area. He's a big linebacker, and he's gonna—he played in the Army All-American Bowl. He's a Rivals 100 guy, and you know, a lot of people thought he might go to Texas, other places. He's picking USC. So three guys that were kind of like ah, possibles, all from the geographic South. I'll pick USC today. Crazy, you know, crazy bunch of pickups for USC. How is Pete Carroll able to do that? Get those guys from so far away and get them to come to USC. Why do you think he was at the Senior Bowl? He was down there. In Mobile, Alabama, yep. (laughs) (laughs) He was down there not only uh, watching the players that were in the Senior Bowl, but also down there recruiting uh, these athletes. And and believe me, now, with the national exposure that USC now has, as far as on national television, every single week, these players watch and see the Trojans and watch the draft and watch the style of play and see what's going on. And, you know, they become very intrigued with California and maybe in, in, in some situations just saying, you know, I really want to get out of our, our environment that I'm in. I've seen it all and I need to get away from home and so on and, and go to this great traditional school. Because believe me, when you visit Southern California, you, as I use that term flying in at night, you can fly in any time. And you see so much that it's impossible to show a kid in one weekend all the opportunities in Southern California. So you use a different tactic here in some universities. The weekend, you, when you have them on a visit, it's the greatest weekend they're ever going to have because you did it all. But in Southern California, like at USC, one weekend with a visit is just a touch of what they're going to experience and who they're going to meet and where they're going to be and the educational opportunities and the connections through a university like USC that, that these kids, too, hear back from kids that have come from the South to USC, Williams, and we'll go on with Brian and others who help you with the recruiting. Kids listen to kids too. And they email each other. They talk about different things and the opportunities and what we did tonight or where we went today. And this kid doesn't have that at certain places. And and the academics and the support groups that, that surround SC and so on makes it very attractive. And remember now, SC doesn't only recruit California. They always want to take care of their back door. But nationally now, they're able to go out and recruit anyone. They got last year, what, Johnson, two years ago, state player of the year out of Michigan. They got O'Dowd, state player, or not, last year they, Griffin, two years ago, state player of the year out of Arizona, state player of the year out of California. And again, they're starting to have that same reputation to be able to do that again. No, I agree, Coach, and it's it's pretty amazing. That's what always... I mean, it impresses me the most about what Pete Carroll brings in. They bring in a lot of talent, and there's all this talk about too much talent and stuff like that. But because he can do it out of state all the time, even when you do get a couple kids transfer that they get homesick or whatever, they want to play closer to home, I mean, that's definitely going to happen. But the fact that he's able to do this each and every year, pulling top-name guys out of you know states where there's just so much competition as far as recruiting goes, that's just amazing to me. And that's... I, probably you know one of the top couple of things that Pete Carroll does bring to this program. No, he really does. And, you know, he's got a great image, too. And when he comes into the home, first of all, the mother falls in love with him because he's a good-looking guy. 
and he can talk, and they've got he's got a great topic to talk about. The record speaks for itself. The academic speaks for itself. The everything speaks for itself. So, it the whole package is a complete package. There isn't anything missing on it. it it's like when you buy a car, everything's included. The radio, the air conditioning, everything is included. There's nothing missing. And he dots the I. The coaching changes that went on have been very positive, I think, for USC. Jeremy Bates is, is a very positive addition to the USC coaching staff. He has a great reputation. The players I've talked to or parents I've talked to are excited about him now being on the staff. He, he, he's around campus. He's talking to the players. He gives them a very comfortable feeling. Uh, Franklin is back. He's been there before. He's a, a defensive line coach and can, can coach the defensive line. Uh, Rocky Sito uh, is still there. Ken Norton is still there. I really believe, and nothing against the past coaching staff, but I think this coaching staff that is there now is more together, more a lot a lot of enthusiasm, a more of outgoingness to them, and I think they're really going to be great together. All right, Coach. Well, this is our signing day special episode, our first podcast on signing day. I think next year, next week's our year anniversary, so we'll have to talk a little about that. But, Coach, we thank you for joining us. We're gonna we'll have a lot more stuff on recruiting and the rest of the show. But thanks for taking the time out and sharing your thoughts. Hey, thank you, Ryan. I'll tell you, it is an exciting day, as I mentioned when we started the segment, for everyone, including you and I. Yeah, definitely. All right, everyone else, we'll be back. If you, you can check out uscfootball.com all the time. We've got tons of updates on all these players, and we'll be talking with Gerard Martinez, and we'll actually hear from Pete Carroll and what was going on down at the press conference today when they announced all the signings for USC, so stay tuned. The Parastyle Podcast will be back after this short break. Tickets, tickets, tickets. SC Tickets is your concert, sports, and theater ticket source. We have the tickets you need to any event worldwide. Football tickets are now available. Call SC Tickets now at 1-800-888-7287. 1-800-888-7287. That's 1-800-888-7287. Or visit us on the web at sctickets.com. SC Tickets, concert, sports, and theater. Hey, USC Trojan fans, to get into the huddle of your Southern Cal Trojans, log on to uscfootball.com today for all the latest in Trojan football, basketball, and recruiting news. Ryan Abraham will give you an in-depth analysis, recruiting updates, and will answer your questions every day on the message board. So for all the latest in team and recruiting news on your USC Trojans, check out uscfootball.com, the officially licensed Southern Cal site of the Rivals.com network. We now return to the Parastyle Podcast and your host, Ryan Abraham. Welcome back to the Parastyle Podcast. We have a very special segment for you in this portion of the podcast. We have the entire, I think for the first time ever, uscfootball.com staff all together on the podcast. I have Dan Weike, uscfootball.com beat writer in studio with me. Dan, how are you doing, man? I just want to take this opportunity to tell you guys how much I hate all of you. Right, all right. So Dan is a team player, as you can tell. We've got Dan Wakey here in studio. We also have on the line Gerard Martinez. He's a frequent guest on the podcast, uscfootball.com recruiting analyst. How are you doing, Gerard? I'm doing good. Sleep uh, deprivation. I see red dots, but that's okay. Yeah, none of us have got much sleep today, unfortunately, in the last couple of days. But signing day, that's what it's all about. And, of course, we have special contributor to uscfootball.com. He helps with recruiting. He helps with the team stuff. Zach Lajado. Zach, what's going on, man? Nothing much. Happy to be here. Yeah. First time on the podcast. Do you feel special? Do you feel special, Zach? Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. I thought that was a <laughs> <laughs> Anything that ends in a question mark is a question. Yeah, yeah, there's little rules we have on the podcast. If I ask you a question, you must answer. Dan, you don't have to answer because he just talks a lot anyway, but... That brings up an interesting point that I want to make about <laughs> recruiting. Before we get to one of Dan's tangents. Um, so basically what happened today, the faxes started coming in fast and furious this morning. Um, right now, as of now, uh, Dan and I were both down at the USC press conference. Pete Carroll spoke for a little over half an hour down there, and he answered a bunch of questions afterwards. 
Um, 17 kids are signed at this point. Two JC guys, uh, both from Mount Sac, Mount Sac. And uh, Matt Barkley, who's the number one quarterback in the country, has already been enrolled. Um, so that leaves 15 other, the 15 high school guys, 14 new ones that signed today. Um, Dan, I just want to kind of get your overall thoughts of uh, what that press conference was like. What was going on down there? Well, I think the the big thing was it wasn't so much to who USC got; it was kind of who they didn't get, and guys like you know Matteo and. Uh, Randall Carroll, like people felt he was leaving by the time the press conference came around. You know, you, they they'd lost uh, Elshon Jeffrey at that point in time. Um, you know, it was, it was those guys that kind of dominated it, and it was kind of weird because it kind of mirrored what was going on in the Paris style, which was not the focus on the guys that they did get, but the guys that they kind of let slip away. Certainly, I think there was a lot of negative focus. And uh, Gerard and Zach, if you guys want to chime in, what was it like on the the message boards today? I mean, it was. It seemed like there was a lot of focus on the negative parts. It was wonderful. Uh, it was wonderful to <laughs> the message boards. Uh, a lot of positivity, uh, a lot of posters with great insight. And uh, we love uh, everybody that, uh, no. It's, yeah, it was, it was difficult to deal with uh, in terms of, uh, you know, I think the reaction to Manti Teo was, uh, it was predictable. Um, a lot of people expected him to be at uh, USC. Notre Dame coaching staff expected him to be at USC, if that matters. Um, so, you know, your expectations are a certain way, and he's uh, obviously a big part of the class. And uh, the way that uh, ESPNU kind of built it up, um, it was like the kind of the peak of the day as far as signees, kind of the top guy. Uh, and, uh, you know, when he didn't go their way, obviously fans uh, felt a little frustra- frustrated in it, and uh, they vented a little bit. What do you think, Zach? What, was, uh, what were your thoughts today reading the site? You know, I, at one point I just kind of felt bad for Gerard, honestly. Um, <laughs> so I, I was uh, I was not on the message board when it when the news hit, but at the same time, it, it's funny how that how it went from being a great day immediately to not such a great day. You know, there was the back to back to back with you know Byron Moore with Telfer with those guys, and all of a sudden it seemed to hit a bit of a snag. Certainly, yeah. I mean, it, it was a bit of a snag. There was a lot of negativity there, but there was so much good. I mean, yeah, uh, you know, I think there was a couple guys. Vontez Perfect, you knew a couple of days ago, wasn't coming in. Um, Alshon Jeffrey, I think a lot of people thought was coming in, and then there was a, a thing this morning. Obviously, Manti Teo, if the Notre Dame staff didn't know they were going to get him, I don't think, uh, I think the USC staff was probably pretty confident they were going to get him. So there was a lot of kind of surprises there. But the, I guess with so many linebackers, leaving the team and you could call Clay Matthews a linebacker, even though he's lined up at defensive end, but four of those top, you know, the top four linebackers on the team gone linebacking recruiting was very important and not getting perfect, not getting Teo. It's a big deal, but Gerard and Zach, maybe you guys want to talk about the, the linebackers that are on the staff. And especially there's a forgotten name out there in Simmons. Yeah. You know, Marcus Simmons is a guy that uh, committed so early. A lot of people forget about him and, you know, this was a kid that uh, a lot of people felt his brother, you know, was given a lot of exposure mainly because of Marcus. Uh, Marcus was that good that kind of brought uh, them back to the forefront. And, uh, you know, a lot of people liked uh, Maurice Simmons because of Marcus Simmons. And, and that kind of people forgot about that. And the guy who's 6'1", 215, really fast. We saw him at the Nike camp uh, this past year, and then he was excellent in coverage. Uh, he's a guy that's a dominant player, a guy that we saw as a junior Probably saw him play against uh, Redlands East Valley, and he played against Chris Polk, who was a kid who was committed to USC and ended up at Washington, who was one of the better players in the Empire. And, uh, you know, Marcus Simmons was dominant in that game. Um, so, yeah, he was definitely up there. He was a guy that, you know, we thought coming out of his junior year might be a guy that's a high four-star or maybe a five-star guy. I think the, the, the real problem with him was just uh, he played on a real bad team this year. Dominguez only won two games, and they had really no exposure Nobody got to see him play his senior year, but that's a guy that's kind of off the radar that's coming in and, and he's going to be a great player. Yeah, I mean, and, and I think if you look at the uh, at the linebacking group, maybe this became a must-get once you lose a guy like Perfect and you lose a guy like Teo. Uh, Jarvis Jones out of Georgia. Uh, Zach, what, did you, what were your thoughts on him coming in, committing to this team? Well, I thought it was kind of interesting with, you know, losing Teo, losing Burfick. You know, you lose a guy in Teo who's a really, you know, natural football player, and you lose a guy in Burfick who's kind of a freak of an athlete. But then in Jarvis Jones, you get that, you know, even Pete Carroll mentioned it in the, you know, in the press conference today, you get that guy at 6'3", 235, you know, he's 
you know, he looks like a man, he's 18 years old, and then you get the guy, Frankie Telford, who's just a naturally brilliant football player, you know, and a naturally brilliant student for that matter also. I think that, you know, on the surface it doesn't, you know, look like it's one and the same, but, you know, the end result might be, you know, pretty similar to what they would have got if, if they had, you know, gotten perfect, had gotten payoff. Zach, yeah, I think you're exactly right with those guys. I mean, when you think about Telford and Jarvis Jones, I mean, those are two guys that, you know, Pete Carroll at the start of the press conference said there were guys that we thought we were going to have that we had ended up not getting. There were guys we weren't sure if we were going to get or not that we ended up getting. And, and those are the two guys that kind of came off the radar that they got. Um, Jarvis Jones, to me, sounds like such an exciting football player. I mean, and Frankie Telford, when you hear a guy talk and you hear him t- throw words like med school out there and, and, you know, Pete Carroll talks about him being better at reading defenses than anybody that he's ever recruited at that age and stuff like that. When you think about that kind of intellectual football player and then you match that with sub 4-4 speed, I mean, it's a can't lose, really, I think, on him. He's a guy that I'm very excited to see get on campus and, and get into workouts and get into, you know, summer camp. Zach, would you like to comment? <laughs> right on, I... I couldn't agree with you more. Uh, I think even beyond just being like a, a good student, a good football player, you know, I've I've talked with him on the phone a couple times, and he's just, I mean, he's just a genuinely like genuinely nice kid, I and mean, that's all there is to it. And you know, you don't get that a lot anymore. You know, sometimes you get big time on the phone by, you know, a kid, and he's just one of those guys that always had the utmost respect for the people he was talking to. And I think uh, there's a lot to be said for that. Uh, a couple of impressive. Like academic students that are in this class, I mean, Pete Carroll today in the press conference mentioned that he really didn't think there was too many academic issues in these guys, and there was a really impressive group of student athletes that are that are being recruited by USC. And I guess maybe one of the things you can look at. I mean, I talked to um, one of my favorite players in this class. You guys know uh, Devon Florinoy. Uh, we actually did a video interview with him this week yesterday and uh, he's just a really impressive kid he's talked about liking the right poetry and stuff like that there's a lot of guys like that in this class and i guess the one i don't you don't say it's a positive but there were so many usc fans that were kind of down on some of the players that didn't end up committing that that were committed didn't end up signing that were committed i mean a couple of the guys were probably guys that were the most you know academic uh Liability. So maybe that's, you know, as far as long-term stuff, that might be not a bad thing, Gerard. Yeah, um, and you can talk about Telford. Telford's obviously a guy that uh, that whole mental part of the football game, it gets overlooked, and, and I think the transition, they feel good about him being a guy that can maybe play right away uh, because he's going to be able to pick things up right away. And that's something that, you know, we always overlook. We talk about how athletic a guy is, how big he is, how fast he is, but, you know, it's how fast he can pick up a defense or how – fast he can pick up the offense in, in the playbook. Um, I think that, you know, it's you're definitely going to get that feel from the class that it's one of those classes where guys are, are you've got some kind of gregarious personalities. Um, they're smart kids. Uh, you're not going to have to necessarily worry too much um, about grades. They've still got some guys in this class, though, that are going to have to uh, get it get it stepped up in the classroom. I mean, it's uh, you lose Alshon Jeffrey and you lose Vontaze Perfect, and that definitely uh, helps the curve a little bit. <laughs> Those guys were uh, were lacking. Um, you know, I mean, Alshon was going to be a guy that probably we're not going to find out he's going to be qualified or not uh, until June. And Vontaze was going to go right down to the wire. I mean, he's got six BYU courses that he's going to be taking. Uh, he's got night school. He's got another uh, class. It's called the NovaNet class that he has to take. Uh, and then he's got regular class on top of all that. So, um, and, you know, I mean, it, it, the schools nowadays, though, they're built towards trying to get guys uh, qualified. Um, they're built towards uh, a lot of stuff that's make-up class work because that's just kind of the way it goes. A lot of these guys come into high school early on in their sophomore year, and they, they screw around, and they get lazy, and they, they drop classes, or they don't make classes. And uh, So there's, there's, there's avenues out there to get – um, you know, qualified and to get in, but now it's just less of a headache for USC. They can just concentrate on working with the guys that they know and are confident are going to be there. Gerard, I got an honest question for you, and I need you to answer this like all your Pantera records depend on it. Um, which of these guys is the biggest academic risk of the 17 that were signed today? The biggest academic risk uh, of guy that signed, I would still say, is Chris Metcalf. Um, uh, now you know his his uh, his letter of intent is not in there yet. Um, I think he's he's definitely still committed, um, but I would have to be honest and say that he's he's a guy that's got to work a lot. Um, you know, Patrick Hall has got some work to do in the classroom as well. Uh, you know, I don't like to call it specific guys, but 
you, you know, you know, you know what you got to do. And, well, then I'm um, taking all your Pantera records. It's simple yeah, as that. Yeah, and then that's and that's important. So, uh, you know, having said that and putting that out there, I, yeah, I have to come clean and say, um, you know, I, I think uh, there's a few guys in the class that you know you definitely. And, and if, here's the thing: is if, if you if you get an F, you know, this uh, semester, regardless of what your grades are, you can't get into USC. Um, that's just a just a straight across rule. So. Even these guys who are doing well in school, they got to keep it up. You can't just flunk out of a class. You can't just do bad and uh, and not kind of keep your concentration and follow through all the way until June and make sure you graduate and make sure uh, you got all your test scores you know straightened out and everything. But it, that's going to be something we have to watch uh, throughout the process. Um, you know, kind of seeing who actually uh, who follows through with the classwork and, and see how the class develops that way too. Because, you know, this past year the, there was, uh, you know, an academic casualty with uh, Daniel Campbell, and that was something that, um, you know, a lot of people were, were worried about and with uh, the, the late arrivals of Nick Perry and Curtis McNeil. That's a little bit of a distraction when you get into fall camp. So hopefully they don't have that coming up this year. You are listening to a special edition of the Peristyle Podcast. We have our very first entire uscfootball.com staff roundtable it's a signing day spectacular we're talking all about recruiting and if you if you missed it we put up on the peristyle podcast page which is at peristylepodcast.com our first ever trojan blast and it was about 50 minutes of pete carroll talking about all his recruits on signing day so if you haven't listened to that part yet after you listen to the peristyle podcast episode number 51 jump on over to peristylepodcast.com and you can check out that trojan blast all kinds of good stuff. Dan, he had a lot of interesting stuff to say. Yeah, he did. And he brought up a point that I actually I wanted to ask you about, Ryan. Sure. I know you're a moderator here, but I want to get you involved in the conversation because you take home the biggest paycheck. So I feel like you should contribute a little bit more. All right. What do you uh, got? Um, you know, he said that maybe part of the day gets kind of lost in the fact that their best player is already on campus and Matt Barkley. I mean, did you get the sense that people kind of forgot about that because he wasn't on a stage somewhere picking a hat on national TV today. I mean, he was already, he's already taking reps and workouts with, you know, with receivers and doing extra throwing and stuff like that. Did that get lost? There's a, I mean, that's a good point, Dan. And uh, I've told Gerard this kind of story before. A lot of the fans that love recruiting, it's almost like as soon as they make it to the team, they're forgotten. And uh, I I remember when Garrett green, who was just like a three-star athlete and, you know, he's been, He's been everything at USC, holder, quarterback, uh, whatever. He's played whatever, safety, receiver. Um, the first day that the recruits came in from his class, they showed up at, at summer workouts. And uh, he was on, and I'm, I posted on the Peristyle, you know, Green is on campus. And everyone was like, oh, Broderick Green? I'm like, no, I mean, it's, it's just because the player signs, they want to know who's next. Like, it's one thing at the campus. Matt Barkley, the number one quarterback in the country, he's already signed. And it the drama with him was over a long time ago, and I think, you know, USC fans will forget about that sometimes. And it's unfortunate because he is a special player, and even though he had kind of a, a rough year with his team not being as good as it was last year, I mean, he was a Gatorade Player of the Year his junior year, and I, I think sometimes the fans just forget about it because you don't get as much buzz and you don't get as much hype, and that I think it even creates more drama for some of the other players like even if you looked at byron moore today i mean some of that in the back might be in the back of his head that like well if i just commit no one's going to talk about me anymore but if i decommit and recommit and waiver and stuff like that then everyone's going to be talking about me and espn you will show up and and show up to my high school on signing day are you accusing a football player of being me first at times no no there's there's a lot of good the guys i've talked to in this class and gerard and zach maybe you can weigh on this is a lot of good guys in this class but the whole recruiting process i think has changed a little bit and there's a lot of attention being attracted to these guys, and I think some of the guys, you know, just want to kind of slink away, and other guys want to be in the limelight. Yeah, you know, I may be uh, getting a bit off topic here, but I did think it was interesting. You know, um, I think this is my third signing day with USCFootball.com, and I remember that after the USC Junior Day last year, when you know USC already had, I can't remember, six or seven guys that were. Well, basically already signed, and then, you know, a handful of others that were projected to be signed. And, you know, I, I remember having a conversation with Gerard, you know, saying that, oh, well, you know, this year's not going to be nearly as bad, not going to be nearly as hectic, you know, we won't have to, you know, do write-ups for all these guys beforehand because we're going to know exactly where people are going. And that seemed to be the case, you know, I, uh, you write, you know, just 18 commitments, you know, to USC just before signing day, and you think it's going to be all well and good, and then 
you know, for lack of a better word, all hell breaks loose. And, you know, these guys coming That's out forwards. of woodwork, <laughs> you think are solid taking off. So it's just an, it's an interesting concept to be, uh, you know, early timing. And Pete Carroll even mentioned this, who I thought was interesting. Maybe you can comment on this, Gerard. They asked him, like, you know, there, there was a lot of questions about the turmoil and uh, of what's going on in recruiting and stuff. And, you know, I, I don't know if he answered this from my question. I asked him how the whole recruiting process changed. You can hear all of that on our Trojan Blast on com. But one of the things he talked about was that if you get a kid to commit early, I mean, I, USC traditionally was finishing – fast late kind of like what florida state was doing back in the day like they would sign all their four and five star big guys on the last couple of weeks and there was really no chance to recruit against them you know uh head to head or whatever now with so many people and i think it started with ucla a little bit offering kids early pete carroll made more offers early you get some early commitments they had morel presley who was the very first commitment of this class and he decommitted and pete carroll talked about that saying that if you get a kid to commit really early, it changes the game because everyone can negatively negatively recruit against you the entire time. So they know who their adversary is, and they recruit against them. And I think that's what you saw a lot happen in this class. It wasn't just uh, nationally. They've always dealt with that nationally, and I think have always been reserved uh, about a guy like Alshon Jeffrey coming out publicly maybe too early. Broderick um, Green. They realize you're going to get a kid that's across the country and he's going to be in somebody else's backyard. It's going to be really easy for those schools to go after that kid and just pound him and pressure him to decommit from a school. But this year I think you're seeing a little more local pressure. I mean, I think you definitely interject a guy like Rick Neuheisel who's aggressive, who's a salesman, and, I mean, he's a good recruiter. And I think with he and then you've got Sarkeesian going up to Washington, and Sarkeesian is a guy that's going to compete. And he's, you know, he comes from uh, the tree of Pete Carroll, and he understands how USC works, and he's going to be up there, and he's going to be fighting Kalan and, and trying to make a name for himself at Washington. I think the, the, the level of uh, intensity with the recruiting process locally has improved and has gone up a, a, a number of degrees. And you have the same thing with going on with Oregon. Oregon's always been there. They've always been aggressive. Dennis Erickson is there and you know, uh, you know, at Arizona State, and he was obviously very aggressive with Vontez Burfecht, and they came after him hard. They came after Randall Carroll hard. So it's really it's a little bit of a dogfight. There's more of a border war aspect uh, atmosphere, I think, to the Pac-10 right now with recruiting uh, than there has been. I want to just correct uh, Dan on one thing, though. Uh, talking with the coaches uh, after signing day, the best recruit that they got this past year was Taylor Mays. That really, I think, across the board, you know, getting him back this past year was kind of a big deal. And you talk about, you know, overlooking what you already have and, and kind of not knowing what you have until it's gone kind of thing. Well, I think a lot of people overlook the fact that they're getting Taylor Mays and they were able to still bring in probably the best defensive back class in the nation. And that really, maybe if you want to talk about highlights, that's probably the highlight of this whole class. You had to be such a smart guy and correct me on a technicality. And, and Josh Pinkert as well. I mean, this was a guy a couple years ago before he blew out his knee twice. Pete Carroll called the best football player on the team. And Pete Carroll announced today at the press conference that he was coming back. So, yeah, I mean, it, for them to bring in the depth of defensive backs, and I think if you, you know, either you, Zach, or, or Gerard can comment on this, every year they seem to bring in like one or two good, like, safety or corners, but not like a big group. Now they have a whole bunch of guys returning in the secondary and a really top-notch class coming in. So I think that the secondary depth could be probably the, it could be one of the best units on the team at this point. Gerard, you want to take this? Or you want to read it? Well, I'll take I'll take uh, I'll, I'll take a little tidbit that I got uh, from Brendan Carroll today um, when he was talking about Byron Moore. Uh, Byron Moore really really liking his ability to play corner, um, and that's that's still something that they like about him. That's still something that you know comparison wise. Uh, Josh Pinker's a guy that kind of comes to mind. I don't know if he's quite as athletic as Josh was coming out of high school, but he has that similar size, that similar agility. He may be even a better instinctual aware player uh, with the ball in the air uh, and in space than uh, Josh Pinker was coming out of high school. He's a pretty savvy guy, and he sees the field well, and that's a guy that's versatile. You can put a nickel, you can put a corner, you can put a safety, uh, you can put him all over the field, and so that's a guy that you really have a, a you know kind of a, a renaissance defensive back, and and then you bring in a big-time stud, the prototypical, gigantic five-star safety that USC's been accustomed to the last few years in T.J. McDonald, who one of the best safeties in the country. 
the guy that they come in and is the guy that I think that they had some doubts about, you know, coming into signing day. Uh, it, it was touch and go for a while. I think um, uh, with with Notre Dame and, and Georgia really being the school that uh, I think everybody was a little bit uh, wary of. Uh, with with Jawanza Starling, uh, Jawanza Starling is a guy that you watch his tape. I don't know if there's a better player in terms of uh, coming up in the line of scrimmage and laying the hat on people. He's playing against the best competition in Florida. Uh, he's playing against guys that are speed, guys that get you in space and make you look bad, and he's putting them on their back. So that's a guy that you're really excited about when you watch a highlight film of, and he's not a guy that's necessarily rated really high. He's barely a 250 guy, and it seems like, uh, you know, maybe some people are sleeping on him a little bit. And, um, you know, I know the talk about Frankie Telford playing weak side linebacker. That's where we'll start out. But I tell you, if Frankie Telford doesn't put on weight, he's a guy that can move it back to, to maybe strong safety. So they got a bunch of guys that are real versatile that can kind of they can mold themselves into different spots in the defensive backfield, and that's as big as anything. I mean, that defensive backfield for Pete Carroll is kind of becoming like the offensive line for Pat Rule. they got a lot of guys that can play a lot of positions, and that's really important uh, when you're talking about uh, attrition and you're talking about guys getting hurt during the season. Jared, I couldn't agree with you more. I think you, I think you kind of nailed the essence of this class, at least defensively, is guys that can play different positions. I mean, James Boyd, I feel like, could play just about anywhere they wanted to put him on defense. I mean, a guy that athletic with that kind of size – I mean, it's just really incredible. Pete Carroll said they haven't really had anybody like that. Devon Kennard could play some outside linebacker in a 3-4 setting, kind of like, you know, that elephant position. you got a guy like Kevin Green who could maybe end up at linebacker. I mean, these are guys Kevin that can Green's do all. Kevin guy that's really, that really athletically, uh, not to cut you off, but just to interject, that guy, <laughs> that's another guy that rivals as far as, you know, what. I mean, they don't have any film. We, we're trying to get film to Nashville. I mean, supposedly it's on its way. It was supposed to be there last week. Um, this guy who had 20, almost 28 sacks uh, as a senior, his first year of playing football, he had 17 sacks. He's a big-time basketball player that comes in. Uh, he had his first, first football camp at USC as a sophomore. He's only been playing football for a couple years, 6'3", 225, and you look at the kid, he's got that look. And athletically, he's 4'6", 5", and he's 6'3", 225, 230. That's a guy that you can move back at Sam Linebacker. Sam Linebacker definitely, like you, like you said, Dan, that's a, that kind of is uh, the antithesis, or excuse me, that, that, uh, the opposite antithesis. That exemplifies um, kind of the, the versatility of, uh, of what Pete likes in, in, I think, defense. And that player who plays that Sam Linebacker elephant position, that's a real versatile player, and it kind of exemplifies overall the, the scheme and maybe the philosophies that, that Pete Carroll has with the, the guys he recruits and the guys he likes to use. Yeah, that's, I mean, one thing. Tao and Perfect are both really, really nice players. I mean, both, you know, five-star guys, no doubt about it. Going to be probably very good college players, if not great college players. But they didn't really have that kind of throw them around, move them all over the field kind of quality to them that Pete Carroll really seems to embrace. I mean, you mentioned, you know, Kevin Green being a basketball player. It seemed like everybody in this class, during the press conference at least, if you listen to it, is a basketball player. There's a lot of athletes out there, and Pete Carroll mentioned that six of the teams that they play on their schedule are going to play some kind of wide-open spread type of offense, and he likes people that can run and make plays. And, and you guys talked about the versatility, and, and you know, Zach, you're our resident bas- basketball expert. He was talking whoa, about... Whoa, 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 whoa. Zach, yeah, Zach, uh, Zach got dunked on Pete Carroll, so he's our regular expert. Okay, here. fair enough. Uh, but, you know, he was talking about James Boyd. I think he's, like, leading like the state or something and scoring and rebounding and stuff like that. I mean, he likes the guys that can, can do other sports and player things because, you know, these are guys that run, they can play in space. And when you're playing those spread offenses as a defensive player, I think it helps immensely. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. I think James Wood is actually averaging, uh, he told me over the phone. So, I mean, this, you have to take this for what it's worth, but 26 points and 25 rebounds a game. So, I mean, in, in a 32-minute high school basketball game, or however long they are, that's uh, that's some serious uh, production. But you know, just getting back to versatility, you know, we talked for just five minutes on versatility on defense and didn't even mention Patrick Hall, who you know, a little while ago, everybody was shocked to say, you know, to hear that he was probably going to get his first look at running back. And by all accounts, that guy can play both safety positions and maybe even a little corner. So I mean, it just speaks even more to uh, Carroll's, you know, focus on versatility. So. You are listening to the Peristyle Podcast, our very special signing day edition. Like we said before, our first ever USCFootball.com staff roundtable. Normally we would have taken a break by now, but forget it, guys. We're just going to go power straight through. 
It's going to be a great. Sleep it's be... deprivation rule. Yes. Well, you know, I, I actually got a little nap today. I think Gerard took a little cat nap. He posted it on the well, board. That was more a shock-induced coma, I think, after Teo committed a Notre Dame. I think that was probably more what it was with Gerard. <laughs> It was, no, it, I, 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 yeah, I went to sleep like after I heard Randall Carroll. I, you know, kind of wrapped it up this afternoon. I was like, all right, so I don't have to worry about Randall Carroll. And I kind of sat down and I closed my eyes, and, and then the phone rang off the hook about an hour and a half later, and it was because Jawanza Starling's letter of intent had not been faxed into USC. Gerard Martinez, what's going on? Well, what is going on with that, Gerard? <laughs> we covered that in the beginning of the podcast, aren't you listening? No. Pay attention, moderator. Yeah. You lost me. You lost me on it. Um, all right. So there's one of the things that's been going on um, with this year in recruiting, you got a couple of big-name coaches that are the arch rivals of Pete Carroll. And you know neither of these schools have had success against USC. I'm talking about, of course, UCLA and Notre Dame. With Rick Neuheisel coming in at UCLA, Norm Chow, I mean, they put together a great staff. They're putting a good recruiting year together, too. And the same thing with Charlie Weiss. Everyone wasn't sure. They had such a terrible year with that, you know, three and nine season or wherever heck they had. And, you know, then they, they get their bowl game. They get their bowl win in Hawaii. They're starting to build a little momentum. They're doing well on the recruiting front as well. Obviously, getting Teo and, and UCLA got some big name guys as well. What, what do you guys think of what's been going on? I guess we'll start with you, Zach, and we'll, we'll kind of go around the table. The success of USC's rivals, and if that's actually a good thing for USC when they can be a little bit more competitive in these rivalry games. Yeah, I, I guess my thoughts on it are that, you know, it just takes so much for the college football team to be successful, you know, across the board. And I... You know, as important as it is for Notre Dame to get, you know, they got they got a number of good guys. You know, they got you know Shaq Evans, you know, obviously Teal, you know, among others, Theo Woods. But I just think that you know, when it comes down to it, you know, three guys that are four and five star guys, you know, while it's a ripple, you know, in the in the college recruiting ocean, it, it doesn't quite make up the the wave that the constant wave that that USC recruiting you know, makes up. I, I don't know if that's the right way to articulate that, but it's just, you know, you need so much help. You know, you need so much help around you, but I'm not so sure that right now it's going to affect it. Maybe KL gets the ball rolling for other big names next year, maybe the year after that, and maybe two, three years down the road, they're a different team. But I, I just, I, I don't really see them being exactly a threat to USC's dominance over the next couple of years. Zach, that was remarkably eloquent, I think. That was that was a great way to put it. I mean, I think you're exactly right. You look at just the sheer depth of a class like USC's. I mean, the the lowest rated player probably on the board, Jake Harfman, a kicker, is a guy who you know makes fifty yard field goals and stuff like that, and can punt. And has got a massive leg. I mean, when you look at a class that has that kind of depth, it's hard to compete with stuff like that. Even though USC this year didn't maybe land. The big name guys like you know Teo and Perfect, the guys that they they had targeted and guys that they had wanted, they they still bring in so many of those four star dudes that are just super super fast, super crazy athletic, and they, I still feel like they're going to be able to outrun either UCLA or Notre Dame next year, the year after that probably too. And that's the other thing too is that the recruiting kind of impact doesn't probably really show up on the field for a year or two at least at, at a minimum, I would imagine. I think it's true. Gerard. What do you think? Um, yeah, go ahead, Zach. I just think that, I mean, you know, we say they didn't get the big-name guys, but, I mean, I think a guy like Kennard could be absolutely dominant the same way with uh, Maloney Sangrupo. I mean, uh, I hate to, uh, you know, bring this up in the midst of a uh, relatively positive Paracel podcast, but, I mean, the fact is, is that USC had three, maybe even four of the best linebackers in the country this year, and they still couldn't stop Jaquiz Rogers. You know, it was a it was a matter of that that defensive line getting pushed around. So I mean, I don't really think that that linebacker is you know they they need help around them to be really successful. And so I, I certainly wouldn't say that it's unsuccessful because they didn't get perfect in in chaos. Oh, I'm not saying that either, Zach. I'm definitely not saying that either. I just think that the way fans had kind of the build up to this day, kind of what people had expected USC to do at the end of the day. Yeah, maybe they didn't expect Jarvis Jones. Most of us probably expected Frankie Telford. A lot of us probably thought Juwanza Starling. But I think a lot of us also, also thought Mont, you know, Monteteo, too. And, and a lot of us probably, up until two weeks ago, probably thought Vontez Perfect as well. 
and I, and I think that's – I mean, th- those are legitimate concerns. I do think that there are big questions at linebacker, and I do think that those two guys would have pushed for playing time this year. And now those are questions you have to answer with some other guys, maybe some guys that are that are still very good players, very special players, but just maybe not that quite elite level, at least coming out right away. Yeah. No, I certainly understand. I, I, I guess it would – I just think it would be more damaging to lose out on a guy like Kennard. No, you're probably right. I mean, Kennard is a guy that, uh, again, kind of like Barkley, was almost an afterthought in today's proceedings just because, you know, he didn't have the ESPN U thing. It's amazing what that does to recruiting as a whole. I know we kind of talked about this a little bit already, but the way that that changes perception of classes, the fact that, you know, UCLA picks up all this momentum because Randall Carroll goes on Fox Sports and puts on a UCLA hat. It's just it's insane when you think about the fact that, you know, a week ago, you know, Devon Kennard, the, the top-rated defensive end in the entire class, you know, chose USC over Cal in Texas. The fact that Matt Barkley, the best, court, one of the, probably one of the best prep quarterbacks in the last, you know, recent recent memory, by all accounts, you know, chose USC and on campus. That stuff gets lost because it's just not out there on today, you know, or, or Wednesday, I guess. No, that's, want me to jump in here? Yeah, go ahead, Gerard. Um, well, first, you know, not to denigrate uh, the the classes that uh, Notre Dame and UCLA had because they were good classes. I mean, I think uh, UCLA came up huge getting Haziak and getting Suafilo. Those were two guys at, at a – I mean, they are desperate for offensive linemen. And people, you know, on the Paris Bound, obviously USC fans are a little uh, – they chastise and say, ah, you know, they told them they could start right away. And, and well, yeah, of course. Have you seen UCLA's line? Of course those guys could start right away. I mean, that's that's definite. And but but that's why there was such a huge pickups for those guys. Um, I think that you know you don't want to understate it. Manti Teo is definitely a great player. He's going to go to Notre Dame for a year and and probably push for a starting job. And we'll see what happens after that. He could be gone team after that year and not return. He could end up at BYU. He could end up at USC uh, in the future here. So I mean, you know, he could end up. What you got to always keep in mind with recruiting is there are the great players that you recruit, and then sometimes they're the right players. And you can get enamored with guys and their ratings and their four stars and their five stars, but sometimes they just don't fit into a program well. And sometimes it has nothing to do with what they, what they bring to the table physically, but what they bring to the table mentally, emotionally, just their personality. I honestly think, and I, like again, I don't want this to come off as sour grapes and Mr. Homer, USC guy, Randall Carroll didn't fit into this class. When I went down there and uh, we, we, we covered this, the All-American Bowl there in, in San Antonio, um, we got a chance to hang out with those guys. We got a chance to watch them practice. We got a chance to hang out with the coaches there, coaching those guys at the practices. The Army team for the West had a really bad attitude disposition at the receiver position across the board. Those guys didn't want to work. They just didn't have any kind of consistency. They complained. They were prima donnas. And we even heard it from the coaching staff down there that we're trying to get these guys to work, trying to script plays, trying to get them uh, to do something. And we really weren't seeing it from them. I don't think Randall has necessarily that competitive attitude, that disposition to come to USC and want to challenge and want to fight and want to continue to, to, to get better and not necessarily see the field early. And the thing is, at UCLA, They've got pretty good receivers. They actually did a good job last year recruiting receivers. They got Jerry Johnson. Um, they've got uh, Antoine Moutra. Uh, they've got Embry, who played a lot this year. They've got some guys who can play. Uh, you know, Randall's got to be patient. He's got to be one of those kids that hopefully they can use him on special teams. But I can see him becoming a guy that's really unhappy really quickly. And at USC, I just don't know how how they would have kept him happy, uh, seeing that you got guys like Ronald Johnson and you got uh, you know all these great players. Even a guy like Devon Flournoy, who right now is a better receiver than Randall Carroll. Randall Carroll wins a 10-4-2. That's fine. On the football field, Devon Flournoy is a better receiver. So, you know, there's the great players, the guys that have the big-time rankings. Randall Carroll's up there in the Rivals 100. And then you got, like, a guy like Devon Flournoy. He's, a, you know, down at the 250. But I guarantee you right now, Devon Flournoy fits what USC is looking for as a player better right now uh, than Randall Carroll. That's all fine and good. But if Randall Carroll would have put on the USC hat, the, the coaches would have been happy. I mean, I, but you know what? I I I'm gonna be I'm gonna make an honest, just an honest judgment. They here. wouldn't have offered him a scholarship if they didn't want him, Jared. Well, I know I he think, might not fit right, and they would have to maybe light a fire in him. But obviously, they I wanted think, him. There's hindsight with some of this now. I mean, I think that um, they offered him a scholarship, and throughout the process, you start to learn a little more about guys. Then you pull it. Then you pull it if you don't like. Well, it. Well, and uh, you know what? I don't necessarily 
disagree with that. But I'm not. I'm not a coach, and I'm not making those decisions. I do think, like I said, you get sucked into the competitive thing. Hey, this was a kid that you're competing against as a statement against your crosstown rival. I kind of wonder if maybe there was a little bit of that going on because uh, you know what, Vontaze Burfick, that kid you gamble on. Everybody's talking about his grades and everything. I don't care about his grades. That kid is so good. I go after him with everything I got, and I try to sign him because you know what? You're right, Dan. That guy is going to come in, and he's going to make an impact in USC, and he's going to probably play uh, at USC really soon. I don't have that same opinion of Randall Carroll. I, I don't think you throw everything at that guy. I think maybe USC got caught up in the uh, it's us versus UCLA, and we don't want them to make a statement that they're you know competing with us on, on recruiting ground. Hey, we have almost time to wrap this up, guys. It's been a really great roundtable. One of the, the points I wanted to talk about, and we kind of get caught up in these rankings a lot, um, you know, four-star, five-star. I think one of the, the, the strengths of this class is that you know, there's not that big of a difference between, you know, just because one guy has an extra star, he could be the 24th-ranked player, and you're talking about a four-star that's ranked 26, something like that. I mean, you have guys like... Drew McAllister from last year, who was only a three-star guy, he was tied for the lead in interceptions on the team, only playing in scrub time. And a, a guy like Jarrell Casey was a four-star guy, but, man, he was coming in and, and putting some really good minutes in for USC and just being, you know, when the rest of the line, the starters, were having trouble stopping the run, he was kind of a run-stopper up there. I just wanted to kind of maybe, all you guys maybe chime in on how close these, these players actually are. There's not that big of a difference a lot of times in the rankings, and it's kind of like, like you said, how they fit into the system. From a ranking standpoint, I think, you know, this year's class is better than last year's class because, I mean, you know, you only had two five-stars last year in, uh, in Tyron Smith and Matt Khalil. I mean, this year you get more, you get you get a quarterback and stuff like that from a ranking standpoint. And I, and I also think, though, that they did get those players that fit the system and fit what Pete Carroll wanted to do as far as versatility and speed. Well, I'm going to try to digress here for a minute also cover points. Go ahead, Zach. What's up? I'm sorry. I just, I, I just want to get back to the wide receiver recruit. I think we're we're losing Zach, unfortunately. Um, Zach is in a in a, is in a is in the chamber of someone's basement. I think uh, being tortured. Yeah. Okay. It looked like we did lose. I'll Zach, paraphrase. I'll paraphrase for Zach what he was going to say. <laughs> okay. He was going to say that Dan is a three star. Uh, that's what he's asking. No, he was going to say that you should guys all listen to what I have to say and what Gerard has to say and what Ryan has to say because. On this topic, I feel like today, I mean, we were on it, but we were on it, guys. I mean, like, I feel like I have a good feel for this class right now after, like, I spent 30 hours with them today. Well, Gerard, yes. <laughs> yeah, right? Exactly. I'll puff us up a little bit. I, I got no problems with well, that. Well, Gerard, can you comment on that last point? We got to get going here. But what was that? Uh, you know, how big of a difference is some of these, the, you know, the, the low four stars, high five stars, stuff like that? Uh, it, 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 like, again, it's, it's a matter of fit, and it's a matter of getting a guy that can kind of come in and, uh, sometimes you overlook that aspect of you know um, you know the mental part of the game, and, and that's the kind of thing with a guy like Drew McAllister. He's a blue collar guy, comes in smart kid, played quarterback in high school. He he was athletic. I mean, he ran a ten uh, a ten eight. Uh, I think he ran like a ten five eight actually um, in the hundred meters. So that's a guy that's athletic. He's smart. He understands the playbook. He transitions pretty easy for him. He goes out there and he and he, and he goes against three interceptions as a true freshman. Nobody even knows where the guy's coming from. He's completely off the radar. So it happens. I mean, the the ranking process is certainly not an exact science. And there's so many kids out there. It's very easily, uh, it's very easy to look overlook guys. You know, I mean, it's it's always going to happen. All right, we're gonna we're gonna wrap it up, but I want to give a quick. Favorite guy in the class for each of you. Start with you, Dan. James Wood. And why? Athletic. Super athletic. Super versatile. Super athletic. Gerard? That's tough, man. Um, I'm gonna, I, I like the sleeper of the class. Uh, I think the guy is uh, Simi Vahikite. Uh, Simeone Vahikite comes in, and he's the first real true fullback that USC gets, and I think they need – a guy who's there's a there's a perfect example. It's a two star guy, and wasn't really recruited until geez, December, and uh, he comes in. He fills a specific role, and I think when they run out of that I formation, they need a guy who can put a hat on somebody, and that's a guy who can do it. So I, I like uh, I like uh, I like Simeone. I think he's going to be a, a good fit for them. Ryan, who's your favorite? All right, my favorite. I think about this a lot. I love talking to guys like Florinoy and talking to uh, Byron Moore and stuff, just because the guys I've I've interviewed a little bit more. But I'm going to go. 
with Hebron Fangupo. He's a guy I think really should be a five-star, Gerard. I think you kind of agree with me on this one. And I edited a lot. Gerard ended up going down to one of the practices, and I edited a lot of his video. And, man, this kid's a beast. I think he's a kid that can come in and, and play right away. So I think he's going to be my favorite guy of the class. Oh, wow. How about that? Gerard, you, you like you yeah. like him, don't you? I like he, Matt Barkley, uh, too. I like I'm Matt getting Barkley a lot of too. echo here uh, every time I talk, so excuse me if I'm... <laughs> I hear every other word that I'm saying back to me. That's uh, almost as bad as hearing you once the first time. <laughs> <laughs> Hebron Fangupo, Loney Fangupo, 6'1", 330 pounds. Now, when I heard USC was recruiting a defensive tackle that was 330 pounds, I, I went, okay, this is going to be interesting. Um I went down to go see him practice, and, and, you know, we had the video there, and this is what Ryan's talking about. The guy is so quick. I mean, his feet are amazing. You watch, you watch him just jump around like a – he's like a cat. I mean, and, you, and the guy's 303 pounds. He really looks more like he's about 270. So he carries the weight extremely well. He's solid, rock, just uh, – yeah, he, he's, he's going to be interesting to see how much of an impact he, he really makes at USC, kind of where he plays. He could be a one-shade guy. He could be maybe a three-technique because he is that quick and get up in the one gap. Um, but, yeah, he's uh, – He's an interesting guy, definitely. And, and you, the fact that he's a junior college player, I mean, USC really doesn't go after many junior college players anymore. And uh, Pete Carroll didn't care when he was going to get in. If he was going to get in early, if he was going to get in late, uh, he eventually just decided, I want this guy in, period. All right. So I, I'm going to get a pat on the back from Gerard. I guess I had a good pick there. So That's, That's, a, good pick. That's definitely a good pick. <laughs> TJ McDonald, I'm going to go for Zach, and, and, and I can tell you already, TJ McDonald. McDonald is Zach's favorite recruit. All right. Well, he's a five-star guy, so that's not really yeah, – that's cool. I mean, you can definitely pick five-star guys, and he, he is an Zach could write star. about TJ McDonald like every week. He, he would right. love to do a TJ McDonald story. <laughs> All right. Well, everyone, this is our very first attempt at this, so sorry for our listeners out there if there was a little uh, confusion at times, and we sorry we lost Zach there, but we'll definitely try to do these again. I think you get a lot of different insights and stuff. You get some different opinions from everyone here at uscfootball.com. But, Gerard, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. I, uh, I, it was a long day, but uh, it's fun. I think this is kind of a good idea. Um, just, you know, we just got to make sure that we keep Dan's amount of talking in check. Well, that's always a goal. But, Dan, thank you very much for joining us. <laughs> <laughs> I've got nothing to say. Uh, our, our highest rated podcasts are, I don't know, when Dan's not on for some reason, those get really. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Be fair. Most downloaded podcasts. Yeah, most. I don't know if they're highly rated, but downloaded. But everyone else. <laughs> That is our show for this week. We'll be back next week for our one-year anniversary. It'll be our 52nd episode of the podcast. So stay tuned for that. We'll have a lot more going on in the late news from signing day. We'll be back next week talking more Trojan football. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. And don't forget, you can now download the podcast directly to your iPod or MP3 player. Just search for Peristyle Podcast the next time you log into iTunes.